Well, Tyler Pooter's right. We need to book that for Easter morning. <laughs> I was flashing back to I was in in college, and I would listen. You know, we had about a twenty mile drive to school, and we, I, that was on a CD. And I cranked that puppy up. Of course, back in those days, you didn't have the boombox or nothing. You just had you know the radio. But you cranked that baby up, and amen. It stirred me then, and it stirs me now. Amen. It really does. Thank you, Tyler, for blessing our hearts. Well, go ahead and take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Matthew 14. I want to get something tonight that would kind of tie in this morning with us, this morning's message. And I think this does. I really think it does. One's a really cool story. It's one we know pretty well in the Bible. Um, but I really think it's very, um, very appropriate for tonight. Now, here's the background to the information. Thinking again, remember, I, if I remember what I told you this morning, what I shared with you from God's word was the fact that God can be trusted. And, and then we need to be willing to say, okay, God, don't necessarily deliver me, but, but in, enable me to, to go through the trial, go through the tribulation. If that's your will, deliver me. If that's your will, but Father, if it's not, then give me the strength to endure that we need. So here's the background information. Um, Jesus, that, now, this really shows the humanity of Jesus. Jesus' first cousin, John, had just been killed. He gets word that that he'd been beheaded in prison. And so what Jesus does is, he says, let me go, let's go and get away and rest up and pull ourselves together, basically. Because you see, I'm, I'm glad to report to you that Jesus grieved like we do. Come on. Jesus grieves like we do. That's why I can tell you tonight, when you hurt, he hurts. You know, he, he, his, he has the same hurting heart that we have. And so he gets there, and to his, not his surprise, because nothing ever surprised Jesus. Um, but when he got there, the people were there. And, and, you know, instead of resting, he had compassion on them. Now think about that. Here he's, he's lost his first cousin. He's physically exhausted. And yet he sees the people and he has compassion on them. And I thought about Ben. Has been here tonight, Tim, Bennett? You know, we're, you know this, this is a very demanding trip we were on. And, um, and I was sitting with Tim over here, and the clinic was over. We had about a six-hour drive ahead of us after we finished this clinic. And the, the Africans don't always take charge, you know. And so rather than close, we were done. We had seen the last patient. Rather than close the door, they left the door open, and here they come. Masses of Africans just coming in. And it's mass chaos. And they're trying to get in line to get, get an appointment with the doctor. And the doctors are putting their equipment up and everything. And Tim looked at me and goes, speaking about Benna, she won't quit. I said, tell her to quit. It's over. It's time to stop. Make her. See, I didn't have the heart of Jesus. And I'm glad to report Tim didn't either. We wanted to hand tie the doctor and say, you're done you're done. But just like Jesus, Benna had this incredible energy that she just feeds on in helping people. What's well, exactly what happened with Jesus? Jesus had compassion on these people, and this is when he feeds them. I mean, they're sitting there, and he taught them in his long day. And so he feeds them with, with some fish and, and bread. And 5,000 men, and plus women and children, were all fed that day. It was really quite an event. It was just an incredible event. Now, what happens, though, when we pick up here in verse number 22 of Matthew 14, the Bible says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Now, have you ever read a scripture, Mary, and you've read it all your life, and you taught it most of your life, and you see something you never saw before? Well, this is what happened to me. So I, I went to ESV. I went to NLT. I went to NIV. I went to KV, KVJ. Uh, King, no, that's King, King Version James. KJ. The King James Version. Okay. I went to all these different versions and I missed it. Look what it says here. It's very, it's very clear. Immediately, after he fed the 5,000, immediately he made the disciples. Do you see that? 
He made disciples. In the Greek, it's a strong, almost an urging, a strong command, a strong recommendation. Basically, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, get in the boat. Now, apparently, they didn't want to get in the boat. And, and probably the reason is this. The reason Jesus was immediately trying to get out of there was, this is where John records that the crowd was going to make him king. He, he sensed that the people were going to force him to be the new king of Israel because he just fed them all this massive amount of bread. They said, the bread Messiah, this is the guy we want to be king. And so he wanted to get out of there because he knew his time had not yet come. It was not time for him to be king, nor was it the way he was going to be king. And apparently, the disciples wanted to hang around because why? This is what they looked for. This is what they signed up for. That when they sold their boats and their nets and all that they did, and when Matthew followed Jesus, they signed, it on the, they signed up with the pretext that Jesus was going to be this earthly king, and that he's going to overthrow the Roman government, and he's going to be the king, and they're going to be princes. It's going to be great. And apparently they saw that coming and said, this is what we've been waiting on. So Jesus says, get in the boat. And apparently they said, don't want to get in the boat. And then Jesus commands them, Get into the boat. So they get into the boat reluctantly. And the Bible says, and they went before him to the other side. Now, hidden in this is a pretty good context of something you know. Apparently, Jesus had told them, get in the boat. I'm gonna, we'll find out in this moment. I'm going to send the crowd away, but I'll meet you on the other side. I'll meet you on the other side. The promise was not necessarily inferred, but very clear. You're going to the other side. So Jesus commands them, they get in the boat, they go on the other side, but Jesus dismissed the crowds. So he says a few parting words, thank you so much for coming today, hope you enjoyed the bread, you know, see you later. All right, now watch what happens, verse number 23 and 24. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Okay, so we have Jesus now, by the way, if you think if Jesus prayed, we ought to pray do you think just maybe, perhaps, if Jesus needed to pray, just maybe, perhaps, we need to pray? Yeah, yeah you know what? We do. We do. If you're still wrestling with the idea of having a personal time, a quiet time with God, I'm telling you, you need to have a quiet time with God. You need to spend time in God's Word, and you need to spend time in prayer with the Father every single day. Judy will tell you one of the biggest challenges we have is finding time on a mission trip to have our quiet time. Because we started early and we ended late. And time you got home, you're exhausted. It was very, very difficult. Always is to find time for a quiet time. But you must find time to be alone with the Father. Now, here's the deal. What did Jesus pray about? What, what did Jesus pray about? Um, I think he prayed to the Father for personal strength. Um, he was exhausted. He was grieving over the loss of his first cousin, John. I think he probably talked to the Father about that. But here's something else I think. I think that he prayed for the boys. Because we're fixing to hear that, that that by this time that he was they were a long way offshore and that a great storm had come up. Now you say, why do you, Dwayne? You don't have any biblical proof that he prayed for them. And you're you're right, I don't. But there's a, again, there's a strong inference, and the strong inference is this: the Bible says in Mark in Mark's account that he saw them in the midst of the storm. While he was praying, so he's praying, and, and whether because he's God or Jesus, because he's got good vision, I don't know, but he can see them out probably three miles from shore, out in the midst of, of the storm, according to Mark, and they're rowing their hearts out. They've lowered the sail, and they are rowing and rowing. And I just can't imagine Jesus going, poor boys. Can you? 
I, I mean, I mean, I, I just have to imagine that when he's talking to the father and he looks over somehow, either supernaturally or naturally, and sees them amidst this great storm, he says, Father, be with them. Father, be with them. Now, here's what you don't know. I'm going to go ahead and read just a little bit more. Um, verse 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Okay? So here they are in this great storm. Here's Jesus up on the mountain. He says, made them get, remember now, made them. And by the way, did he know the storm was coming? Absolutely. Okay? So he made them get in the boat. He said, now, I'll see you on the other side. He goes up and he's praying. He sees them. And I just have to believe. He says, Father, be with these men that, that, that you have led into my life. And, and call, be with them right now as they're battling this storm. Now, here's a question. Did the men know? Did the men know? Now, assuming, and I don't think it's, I'm really trying hard not to stretch the word these days. I want to make sure it says what it says. But I really think that's a strong inference. Okay? But they didn't know. They didn't know where Jesus was, actually. They didn't know. All they knew was, you know, the one time he's in the storm and he was asleep on them. Okay, the only time it's recorded in Scripture that Jesus was asleep was another time when a great storm came. And all they know now was their Savior said, you know, the Messiah said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And they're in a storm and he's not there. I guess I'm trying to tell you this. Just like I asked you this morning. I, I actually taught you this morning. You've got to trust God even, even when it doesn't make sense. You've got to trust God when the C word is used. You've got to trust God when your marriage is in trouble. You've got to trust God when your kids are going away. You've got to trust God when there's not a job. You've got to trust God when there's not food in the cabinet. You've got to be willing to trust God even though you don't see an immediate answer. And the news I've got for you tonight is there's a very strong chance that someone's acting on your behalf even without you knowing it. The boys did not know. The men did not know. I don't mean that in a derogatory way when I say the boys uh, but, but basically they, they were Jesus men and they did not know it but I believe their Savior was praying for them now I want you to know something that God has arranged that we get prayed for too God has made it a way that we are prayed for too take your Bibles and look at Romans chapter 8 this, I hope this is an encouragement to you I hope it's an encouragement to you to know that, that even when you don't understand when you're in the midst of great storms and trials of your life that God is acting on your behalf and by the way, it's not St. Peter, Paul, or John. It's the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 26, the Bible says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we, now listen, listen. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. We miss it. That's, what, that's, why, that's, why, that's one reason why our prayer life is so critical today is because we have shifted from a mode of praying kingdom to praying in our world. I mean, have you ever heard the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil? Have you heard that? Well, what's our first thought when we pray? I mean, if you're in a storm, where are you going to pray? God help. You know, if there's someone in your family, you know, like right now, her brother, Carol, is in very critical condition in George Hodge. God help Carol. The, the immediate thought, the immediate crisis we're in demands our prayer time. And, and the, the wise thing to do is to, to calm it down and to worship God and trust God even in our prayer. And say, God, you're a loving father. And this, this may not be the answer I want, but I know coming from you is the right answer. So we don't always know how we ought to pray. But then he says this. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. With groanings too deep for words. When we are sometimes groping for words in our prayer life, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with, with something that's far deeper 
than human words could be. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, folks, that's just nothing short of powerful. That means that as we are praying and we're groping and sometimes missing it totally, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who fills us, who we've been baptized with, that Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And not just interceding, but interceding to the, to, according to the will of God. And John teaches us in 1 John that we have what we want when we pray according to His will. And the Holy Spirit is praying. So, so don't ever think that when you pray something and God doesn't get what you think and you say, well, God, you let me down. God, you fell. No, he just listened to the Holy Spirit instead of you. Because you may not have been praying right. And he has someone, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity living in you, and he intercedes for us. Verse 28. And this is why this makes sense. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know Romans 8, 28, but we don't read 26 and 27. So, so when, when the answer doesn't seem to be exactly what you want, when, when the cancer is not healed, when the marriage uh, doesn't work out, when the kids don't do exactly what you think they should, when things just don't make sense, when God doesn't make sense, when it doesn't make sense, know this, that God's working. And he can bring good out of the worst of circumstances. You know, already, uh, Max, can I share just a little bit? Can I share just a little bit? You know, Joe has been re-diagnosed with cancer. Now, there's already something very good coming out of that. Joe wants to talk to me about being baptized. And previous to being baptized, we're going to talk about Jesus. Make sure Joe knows Jesus. That's a good thing. Come on, don't hesitate to say amen. Now, we hate the fact that cancer's returned, but it's a pause for Joe to say, there might be an issue I need to sell with God. One is obedience and baptism for sure. And God already is getting glorified through this. God can bring good out of difficult circumstances. Trust Him. He's not your enemy. He's your friend. He's not your enemy. He's your father. He's not one who doesn't love you. He's one who does. So know that you have, you have an intercessor Behind the scene. Just like I, I think Jesus was praying for the boys and, and they didn't know that. In fact, they may have been they may have been going, he they may have come on, come on, we've thought it. He made us get in this boat, and now we're in trouble. And they've probably been angry at someone at Jesus. I mean, well, they didn't want to be there, and Jesus sent them there. They didn't know Jesus was acting on their behalf behind the scenes. And God is working on your behalf behind the scenes. So, verse 25. This is just, it's just, it's good. Again, it's a story from the Bible. It's an account of an event in the life of Jesus. But the teachability and the practical part of our lives is just powerful. So the Bible says, in the fourth watch of the night. Now, you know the fourth watch is from, is from 3 in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. It's the darkest part of the night. In the fourth watch. Something, you know, it's amazing how God shows up in the fourth watch. Now, we want him to show up in the first watch. Matter of fact, we want him to show up before the sun goes down. But, but I want to tell you this. God may not be early in our way of understanding time, but he's never late. In this particular case, Jesus stayed on the mountains. I'm, I'm just certain. Again, I want you to understand this is my, my, my view. But I'm just certain he has his eye on these men in this boat, in this storm. I do believe with my heart he has to be mentioning them. I don't think he would ignore them. Mark records he saw them in this storm. And yet he continued to pray. Kind of like he did with Lazarus. 
He waited till Lazarus. You know, four days he'd been in the grave. So, so we have in the fourth watch, in the darkest time, and just when you think God's not going to show up, don't give up. Because that's about when he's going to show up. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. What was threatening them? The storm. The wind was kicking up the waves, and water and boats don't go together. Water and boats don't go together. And here comes Christ, and call me an old-fashioned preacher, and I, we could holler and shout, but, but call me old-fashioned if you want me to. But I'm telling you, it's just cool that Jesus was walking on the very thing that threatened them. Now get that. The very thing that would send them to the bottom of the ocean, the master of the ocean's walking on. And I'm telling you this, that I don't care what you're going through in your life, that he is master of it. I don't care what the storm is you're facing. I don't care what fear you've got in your life. Our God is greater than our greatest fear. He walks on this. He walks on this. He walks on this. It's the darkest of night. They, they think, I, I, know, I think it's because the Bible says he think, they think it's a ghost. I think they had felt abandoned by Jesus. And here comes Jesus in the dark of the night, walking on the very thing that threatens them. And the Bible says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they thought they were terrified and they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And the word ghost there, it's, it's, um, it's like, a, I hate, I'm going to use the word the commentary used. It was like a magic or charm. Okay, well, they weren't thinking like someone dies and it's their ghost. I mean, Jesus was very much alive and they weren't thinking Jesus was dead. It wasn't his ghost as in he's dead, but they saw as an apparition. Is that the word I think for that? They weren't sure what it was, but they never connected with truly being Jesus. And so they cried out. They were terrified in fear. But look what Jesus said. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Now, here's what's cool. Do you know how that translates in the Greek, from the Greek? I am. Jesus says, I am. Do not be afraid. Now, you remember when, when God was calling Moses, and Moses goes, what, what should I tell them? Who, who sent me? What did he say? Tell them, I am has sent me. And one of the favorite names of Jesus in the New Testament is the name of God, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am, I am, I am. And so Jesus is saying, I am God, don't be afraid. I am God, don't be afraid. Now, I'm going to tell you this. And this may be one of those easy, I got the microphone, the, the easy preaching, hard living. But I'm telling you guys, if we truly believe that, with God there's no fear. Now think about that. You know, with what Joe's facing. You know, with what Carrie Boatwright's facing Thursday morning with, with, uh, colon, uh, with uh, prostate cancer. What Carol's facing right now down in Georgia. With God and a child of God, the fear's removed. John, the fear's removed. I mean, is there anything too great for our God? Now, now, granted, that see, that's where you've got to trust God. You've got to be willing to say, okay, God, I don't know what the answer is going to be. I don't know how you're going to pull this off and the way you're going to pull it off, but I believe you and I trust you. So, God, I refuse to be afraid. Because when God shows up, fear's got to go. When God shows up, fear has got to go. So, so he says, take heart, I am. Don't be afraid. And this... 
this is where Peter does this amazing thing. And, you know, Peter gets a lot of bad credit for this. I mean, after all, he was the only one that got out of the boat. You know, we all say, boy, Peter, lack of faith. Peter, small faith. Peter, he got out of the boat. And, 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 and so Peter, you know, Peter answers him when he says, I am. God is here. Don't be afraid. And he goes, okay. And it's not the, the New King James translates it if, and that's not a good translation. But Lord, since it is you, not if it is you, Lord, since it is you, command me to come out of the water. See, Peter understand, understood that Jesus was the master of the ocean. He understood. He had enough faith to believe that Jesus could do anything. And so he says, and he gets out on the blue. That's why we just sing song. He gets out on the blue. He, he leaves the, the sense of security of a rickety, leaking boat as one to step out on the water to trust Jesus. And you don't know how many times God asks us to do that. He, he wants you, you're clinging, we're clinging to the things that we know. It may be a doctor, it may be a treatment, it may be something else that we can put our arms around and say, I'm trusting this. We wouldn't say it publicly, we're trusting God. But inside we're going, I'm hanging my hat on, on, on chemo. I'm hanging my hat on this doctor. I'm hanging my hat on this. And Jesus says, don't hang your hat on that. Hang your hat on me. So Peter does that. Peter says, okay, if you are, I am, and I believe you are, you're God, then I, I want to be where you are. Even if it means leaving the boat. Does that speak to someone tonight? Is God calling someone to get out of the boat? Is God calling someone tonight to leave our comfort zone and come out on the water with him? I guess it ought to say this too. Be careful what you pray for because you might get an answer. Because it was a prayer. And since he said, Jesus, since it's you, let me come on out. God, you know, Jesus says, come. And he did. Now watch. I know you've heard this a dozen times. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. Two people in all recorded history that we know walked on the water. Jesus and Peter. Isn't that cool? I mean, let's not slam Peter. Let's clap for Peter and say, Peter, thank God for your faith. That you're willing to say, God, where you are, I want to be. If it means leaving the, the comfort zone of a boat. I want to trust you. Now, you got to remember now, all this time, the waves are still blowing. Water's coming in the boat. You know, the, the, the winds are still blowing. The waves are still capping, white capping. There's water coming in the boat. All that's not changed. You know what's only that changed? This is good. You know only that changed? They knew God was there. Your circumstances may not change. But what will change is when you recognize God's there. And when God's there, everything else doesn't matter. Someone say amen. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's the truth. You know, ask me if it crossed my mind about that Malaysian fight disappearing on radar and I'm fixing to go on a plane and travel 8,000 miles. And you know, I can honestly tell you what I told you that morning. We don't have to pray for safe travel. My God's sovereign. If he wants me to go to Africa, we'll make Africa. If he wants to take me to heaven, we're going to heaven. Amen? amen. That's the way it is. So that's the way it is. So in verse 30, we see what we have a tendency to do. Now, we're sitting here in the comfort zone, and we're going, okay, yeah, you know, I, Dwayne, you're making sense. The Word of God's making sense tonight. When God shows up, I am shows up. We don't have to be afraid. Got that. He's bigger than my greatest fear. Got that. And then tomorrow you face your greatest fear. It's harder when you're facing your greatest fear. 
So Peter gets out of the boat, and the Bible says that he saw the wind. Now, he really saw the effects of the wind. He saw the waves. And the Bible says he was afraid. So what happened to Peter? He took his eyes off of Jesus. What happens, what happens in, our, in our situations, our circumstances, when we take eyes off Jesus? Fear comes back. See, as long as he was looking at Jesus, I am, as long as he was looking at I am, he had no fear. When he took his eyes off Jesus, fear returned. So he, he takes his eyes off Christ, he looks at the waves, and the Bible says he begins to sink and cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Praise God for good spiritual common sense. He knew he was in a situation, and the boat was that way, Jesus was that way, and he knew the good common sense, spiritual common sense say, Jesus, save me. And the Bible says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? Now, that's a chastisement. It's, it's, a, it's an encouragement, but it's a chastisement too. Ah, oh, Peter, man, listen, you know, we could do this. And with God, we can do this. But isn't it cool that Jesus didn't go, you got out here. I hope you get back. He didn't. He reached out immediately. Aren't you glad that God doesn't abandon us in our failures? Gosh, isn't that great? It's incredible. It's just incredible. So anyway, the end of the story. The Bible says, verse 32, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now this is exactly like it was when, you know, right before Jesus landed on the land with the Gadarean guy, you know, the crazy guy, the demon-possessed guy. This happened... The other account was Jesus was exhausted. He goes back in the back boat and goes to sleep. And they run back to Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're fixing to die. And Jesus commanded the wind and the waves to stop. And in the Greek context, it's very clear that the wind stopped immediately and the waves stopped. In other words, it went from raging winds to calm. Same thing here. As soon as they got back in the boat, when Jesus put his boat, the wind stopped, the waves stopped. How can that be? He's got and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And we say, Amen. Amen. So, so what I want to leave you tonight. You know, what's my take home, Dwayne? Uh, what do I want to take home? It really is. We heard this this morning from Andy, and this just popped in my head. God really is for us. He's not going to abandon you. Now, he's not Santa Claus. Okay? You just got to get over that. I mean, you're, you're, you are going to head in some very difficult, disappointing times. If you think somehow you've gotten in with God and all you got to do is pray and God heals and God gives you a job and God, God, God. Because I'm going to tell you something, you're going to be disappointed. Because God is sovereign. And God is God, you're not. And sometimes our plans line up with His and that's great. And sometimes they don't line up. And God's going to do what God's going to do. But He always does what's good for His glory and good for us. You can count on that. So what's the takeaway? Know that regardless of your circumstances or your greatest fear or where you are right now, God is for you. And not only is he for you, he's working in the background for you. If you, are a, if you are a Christian tonight, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I'll say it one more time tonight. The day you trusted Jesus, if you were born again, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is the regenerative action of God in your life. That's what causes you to be born again is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit within you. And very clearly, did you write that scripture down, Romans chapter 8, 26, 27, and 28? Did you write those down? Because that means that as the Holy Spirit lives within you, you've got an intercessor. And when your most difficult, dark moments are there, 
there's someone praying on your behalf. There's an old song that says, someone's praying for me. Well, there is somebody praying for you, and his name is the Holy Spirit. So God is working in the background. So you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. If things don't turn out exactly like you want them to, you can still trust him. He loves you. He's sovereign. He is God. And he's greater than our greatest fear. Let's pray together. We're going to, by the way, we're going to close the service tonight with a prayer time. Um, we got some folks going through a difficult time, and we want to pause just a minute. One, like I mentioned, is Carrie Boatwright is having surgery on Thursday, and we want to pray for him. Um, Madeline Carr is having a procedure done on Tuesday, and we need to pray for the outcome of that. We need to pray for Carol, uh, Jackie, um, Scott, oh my goodness, with her mom. Very difficult situation with her daughter Jasmine, a very difficult situation. There's all kinds of ramifications with that, all kinds of financial and health wise. Um, we remember Tom Franks with his cancer, what's going on there, and um, and I'm sure others tonight. And what I want to invite you to do is, after I pray, is we'll come on down the altar. And how about we just play something on the guitar for us? And then we'll um, we'll come down the altar, and let's just pray together. Um, our, our brother Joe, we've mentioned him several times, um, what God's going to do in his life. And so let's just, as a church family tonight, let's pause into our service by just saying, okay, God, we're going to end this day by saying we trust you. We may not always understand but we do know you're greater than our greatest fear. And you're, you're working for us in the background always, um, seeing us in our storms and, and praying for us. So, so let's, let's do that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. I want to thank you for this incredible scripture. I want to thank you, Father, for your compassion on the people that day, even though you were so exhausted yourself. When you saw the people, you received this inner power and strength, and you ministered. And we're grateful for that. If I will be very careful to not make the word say something that doesn't, but I do believe if you saw those men, you prayed for those men. And just like you worked in the background for them, and you had to push them out of their comfort zone, they didn't want to go. The scripture is very clear. But you were working on their behalf. So the Holy Spirit works on our behalf. Just like there's one intercessor between God and man, it's the man Christ Jesus. So we have an intercessor that works in our prayer life. Um, for the things we need. I'm grateful for that. So God, help us to trust you. Help us, teach us fresh in you to pray, thy will be done. Help us to be sure and add that dimension of spiritual work in our prayer life. Father, praying like the early church did. Um, not necessarily to be delivered, but to trust you even through the storm if that's what you choose to do. Um, Father, help us to not look at our circumstances, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our salvation. So as we go into a time of prayer now for these folks, and I know there are others, God, I know there are others. Um, Father, I want to pray that as we pause, we know that you'll, you'll hear us. And Father, we pray again for your will be done. So if you'd like to come to the altar tonight and, and pray, let's do that as a church family. And uh, if you want to pray out loud, that's great. And then I'll close this in just a minute. So if you want to come down to the altar, that'd be great.
Jesus, as we sang this morning, what a friend we have in you. Father, thank you for the fact that we can come to you and call you Father. We don't have a good translation of the word into English, but the closest we can come is our high privilege of calling you Daddy. And God, thank you that you work on our behalf, even behind the scene. Thank you for leading the Apostle Paul to write Romans chapter 8, 26, 27, 28, so we know that there is someone interceding for us when we don't know how to pray, when we miss it, God, that he is praying in accordance with your will. God, thank you for that. And Father, we admit that sometimes we don't want your will. Just like those boys didn't want to get in that boat, sometimes we resist your will. Father, we think about the thought of losing one of our loved ones or our tragedy coming and, and not being able to explain it away. God, it's hard. It's just simply hard. But God, we know this. Again, that when we don't get it right, the Holy Spirit does. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're greater than our greatest fear. Thank you that you're greater than death. That death has been defeated. Thank you that you're greater than sin. Sin has been defeated. God, thank you that the enemy has to flee at your name. Thank you for that. And Father, just like, just like Father, that, that Herod and Pilate... And the temple leaders and the Gentile nation, Father, were mere puppets in your hand on the stage of Passion Week. They, that they were there for your divine purpose. So our enemies today, whatever they might call, be called or where they are, are at your beck and call. Even Satan himself is chained up and bound up. And only the chain will slip as much as you allow it. Thank you for that. Father, I pray for these ones that I've mentioned. Already, Father, for Tom and for Carrie, for Madeline, for Carol. We pray for these ones, for my brother Joe. God, we pray for these ones. I know there's so many more. I've forgotten some names. But God, you have not. We place these people that we love very much in your care. Father, for Jackie. Father, that woman's a great woman of faith. And I'm grateful for her tonight. But Lord, her plate is so full. In Jesus' name, I lift her up to you. Father, just sustain her and carry her. And all these ones we've mentioned. Father, for unspoken requests tonight, we didn't ask for those, but I know there's some out here tonight. So, Father, for those unspoken requests, we'll place them in your care. So, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to leave, the truth is most of the circumstances are still the same and they're there. But we leave tonight with the confident assurance that you're greater. You're greater. We love you tonight, God. I thank you for these dear, sweet people, uh, the privilege of being a part of this church family. I thank you for that. And Jesus, I just want to pray this in your name. Amen. And God's people said, amen. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys.